and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today, my guest comes all the way from Melbourne, Australia, and she just finished quite an adventure driving across America from LA to New York all by herself. And I just can't wait to hear about the stories she collected along the way. Her name is Sheree McKay. And um, I've I've met, well, I've known Sherry on, online for quite a long time. We missed each other in Melbourne a couple years ago, but uh, we've been in contact for, for a few years now. Welcome, Sheree. Well, thank you. Thank you, Valerie, for having me on. I'm, I'm excited because I followed your adventures um, and, uh, and we talked while you were on the road a few times and yes. uh, I was just, uh, I was really impressed. So tell us, first tell us a little bit about your background. So my background, I've been a photographer for about eight years. Um, that was, I guess, something that I've, I mean, I've always had a camera, um, even as a young child. And I've always been quite a visual person, um, someone who's tried to paint, paint what I see and, you know, collect, collect stories, I guess. So for me, photography is perfect because I'm not a great painter. I, I paint okay, but photography, I can capture exactly what I see and, you know, how I want to retain the image. So, um, I, yeah, that's, that's why I'm a photographer. Uh, I've dabbled in a few other things. I've had a few businesses along the way. So um, when I first become a photographer, I thought there's a lot of portrait photographers here in Melbourne and I know that's a worldwide thing. We're all struggling with, you know, price price battles and things. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that there was a niche in the market for camera bags. Um, being a woman, I felt that my camera bag was chunky and kind of not really attractive, not very feminine. So I actually launched my own range of camera bags and I did that in about 2009. And after a couple of years, I managed to sell the business and move on from that. Um, And so since then I've had to reconnect with my photography and rebuild my photography business. Um, And to do that, I've just started doing street photography almost in a way to, I guess, fall in love with photography again. So Mm -hmm. it's not so, it's not hard work. That yeah. makes any sense? Yeah, that's awesome. So that- and uh, you in Melbourne, which is a beautiful place. I uh, I really want to co- to go again. I was I was uh, lucky enough to teach a workshop there a couple of years ago, and uh, such a friendly city. Oh um, yes. Your workshop was down at Ackland Street, I think, in St Kilda, and that's one of my favourite places. Yeah. Ackland Street is my happy place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh, there are so many great, great neighbourhoods to uh, to explore. I uh, I really loved it, and people are just so friendly. So now, tell me, was it your first trip, first trip to the United States, or not? It was, and okay. in fact, it was my first trip actually leaving this country. <laughs> really? So yes. I mean, and uh, wow! So you you decided to actually go for quite an adventure for your first trip. You didn't just go <laughs> on a yeah. one week vacation on you know uh, to uh, to to get kind of taste the waters. You just went all out. And That's decided right. to leave for several weeks. So how did the, the idea of the drive across America come about? Oh, look, it, it actually, it's evolved over the last couple of years. Um, I know that a couple of years ago, I really wanted to do your New York workshop. That's right. Um, and that, the, uh, that was when the idea started to evolve because I've got a few online friends that live in the States. And these are all girlfriends of mine that I've known for 10 years but have never actually met. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, when I was kind of thinking about coming to New York, I think that would have been in about March, a couple of years ago. Yes. And we, I started to plot where these women lived, and I noticed that they, they all kind of lived in a, in a sort of a direction close to Route 69. Okay. And I sort of started to think maybe if I did go to the States, I could drive and visit these women. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, that didn't happen that year. But in, in the back of my mind for the last couple of years, it's kind of the idea has been brewing and it's mm-hmm. been sitting there. And this year, at the beginning of the year, I bought myself a large world map and I hung it up in my studio and actually pinned everybody where they live on the map. And I thought, I'm going to go and visit these people one day. And I'm kind of surprised I made it happen last year. And yeah. it seems even strange to say last year now. It makes me a little bit sad because it makes my trip further away. I'm kind of, it's becoming past history. I'm not living it anymore. But um, So you yeah. put that map at the beginning of 2015 yes. and you actually completed your trip by the end of the year. So just by the end of the year. Yeah. 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 It became almost a... A vision board, a, a real vision board hanging in my, um, you know, home office, a studio. And it's something that I would look at all day, every day when I'm working. And I've started to really focus on achieving that goal. And it, it actually happened quicker than what I expected. So, wow. Yeah. So, so you left for how many weeks? Six weeks. Six weeks. So you, you took the Melbourne to LA flight. Yes. How I do you did. pack? How do, first, how do you pack for such an adventure? Because you're going to hit the winter month on the East Coast. Uh-huh. So, but you're starting in LA where it's warm. So, and you're limited in the amount of luggage you're going to take with you. So, uh, was that was that a tough the tough a tough uh, decision? What to pack? Oh. What to leave back? Or did you have to purchase yes. a lot of things along the way? It was it was difficult because not only am I restricted by weight on the plane, but um, my accommodation. So I was traveling in a camper van. Um, I'd organized a contra deal with escape camper vans to do some stock photography for them along the way um, and a little bit of social media work for them. So, um, you know, I'm traveling in a camper van and camper vans have very limited storage space. So I couldn't really take suitcases. I had to take a backpack and a fold down duffel bag. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, I believe it or not, actually overpacked. Did you? Um, I did, and I, I don't know how. And I, I was really packing for four seasons. Like as you said, in yeah. LA, it was really warm. Yeah. Um, and I brought a lot of jackets with me. Um, you know, things like knee-high boots and stuff when I got to the East Coast. Um, but I, 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 it's not like I was missing out. In fact, if I was to do it again, I'd probably take less. Yeah. For me, the equipment was what, what I suffered. Um. I only took one camera with me. And oh, you one did? Lead. Wow, that was yeah. pretty risky. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I figured if if anything happened, I, I was fully insured and I yeah. could probably hire something. Um, you know, Americans seem to be really good with their their hire schemes and yes. stuff. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of places you can rent for. Um, it's not so expensive, actually. So what, what camera did you bring? So uh, my D800. And mm-hmm. the lens that I took was my 24 to 70. And it, it's, it's the ideal combination for me. Um, yep. I didn't, I, I had a, a traveling um, tripod that actually broke in my second week. So that got left in a bin somewhere. Um, 
And other than that, I had my camera bag and laptop and I took a hard drive with me as well and quite a few memory cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so my gear was really simple. I, I would have loved to have taken more, but weight restrictions for carry-on luggage would have really prevented that. Um, it's quite funny though. Friends have told me a lot of photographers, we do travel overweight with our gear in our bag. So you just have to go through luggage as though you're not actually carrying a million tons. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to sort of strut as though it's only five kilos when really <laughs> you're true. dying because it's so heavy. But um, yeah. 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 So you the, one camera, one lens and, and yeah. definitely, yes, a lens that gave you the range you needed for pretty much anything because you you were sh- so tell me I didn't know about this uh, deal with the van company so you rented this camper van yes w- very colorful yes very hippie like very much so <laughs> very much so it was definitely a conversation starter yeah. um but uh, you know look we all travel on a budget um and for me this trip was as much about traveling um, and exploring my own photography because I my life goal was to do street photography in New York and basically around the world, but I wanted to explore a little bit of travel photography and also um, really kind of dabble in landscape photography. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I wanted to do it on a budget and I started to kind of, being the entrepreneur that I am, I started to hatch a plan and that was that I would need sponsorship um, and I would need to really ramp up my social media and things for my trip. And so that's what I did. Um, I treated it like a business, like a working holiday. Uh, and I, I've had a few articles published. I've still got a lot of work to do. There's still some more articles that I need to write for various publishers and things and some that I need to keep pushing to try to get more of my work out there as well. So... But the camper van company, they were really great. They came on board um, and gave me a discount in return for stock images. So that's So been, you were taking yeah. pictures of their camper van in various locations in front of some iconic landmarks and so forth, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, for example, um, I got a great sunset shot of the vehicle in the Mojave Desert uh, on the way to Las Vegas and – um, you know, in front of the Golden Gate Bridge and, you know, all those sort of places. That's awesome. So that was actually kind of a, it turned and turned it into a little bit of a, a treasure hunt in some ways, because you were, you were looking for spots where you could position that van. So it was a great exercise, but it was exciting too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it never felt like work. Yeah. Um, although if I were to do it again, I probably wouldn't, I, I would probably be more regimented with my r- time for writing and editing photos and yeah. meeting my commitments. Um, that was really difficult to manage, but uh, the the photography and the driving that came easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. came very easy. That's awesome. So, um, so you started in LA. You met you knew people there. Um, no, I landed in LA, uh, and the vehicle I picked up in Inglewood, which okay. I think was like a ten dollar cab ride. Um, no, I got off the plane and I was excited. You're full of adrenaline. You're in a a strange country. Um, got to Inglewood, picked up this giant vehicle that I suddenly am driving on the wrong side of the road. Oh, that's right. You forgot about that. (laughs) And I'm probably admittedly jet lagged, but not really feeling it because of my adrenaline. And not only that, the car felt like a tank. It was really big. Um, and they took probably about an hour to get the car ready. Then I unpacked and basically moved in and they gave me the keys and off I went um 
And by this point, it it's, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon and I, I'd been awake basically for more than 24 hours, probably close to 30 hours because uh, I don't really sleep well no. sitting up. <laughs> I know place. the problem. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can relate. Like, That's a long like, flight too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, maybe I need to work harder on getting sponsorship for first class. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I sort of found myself aimlessly driving around LA kind of feeling a little bit like a toddler, just not really knowing whether I was hungry or tired. And it occurred to me that I'm probably both and I need to eat and then maybe think about sleeping. So I pulled into a restaurant, ordered the most sensible looking thing that was was basically the first sandwich that I could pronounce properly uh, and then ate that. And then I kind of followed the sunset and that's what caught me out because here in Australia we're currently in daylight saving because it's summer. Um, so our sun isn't setting until 8 o'clock. But in LA the sun was setting at 4.30 in the afternoon. Wow. So not only am I recovering from jet lag but the days were incredibly short. Uh, yeah. It took me, I really struggled with that adjustment. So on that first day suddenly it's sun setting and I've lost a whole day. So I found myself at Manhattan Beach. And went for a bit of a walk on the beach, took some shots of the sun setting and then fell asleep in my car and, of course, I got a parking ticket. So I was kind of impressed that I'd been in LA for less than 12 hours and had a parking ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, did you have to pay it or did you get out of it? Actually, no, they've actually sent me a reminder here at home. It just arrived the other day and I I really do need to pay it. It's it's only like $50 or something. So maybe I should just really plead I was a tourist and I was asleep in the vehicle. I needed to sleep. Um, Yeah, they probably would have liked I should try to send them an email or something. I need to deal with that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's too funny. So um, how long did you stay in LA to start? And when did you start taking out, taking the camera out? Right away or did it take a little while to adjust? Well, that, that was it. I ate something and that made me feel a little bit better. So I got to Manhattan Beach and it was beautiful. Um, the sun was setting. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous night. And I, well, the first thing I did, I actually went for a bit of a swim in the ocean because I wanted to, you know, at least dip, my, dip myself into the water at both ends of the state mm-hmm. to, to say that I had swum in both, both oceans. And then once I dried myself, I spent some time taking some photos um, and it was a really pretty sunset. And I, I am a bit of a sucker for a good sunset and shooting into, into the sun and a mm-hmm. bit of sun flare. So I was in my element um, and I guess that was my basic needs met. I had some photos taken, did some photography and had something to eat. So I was ready to sleep. Yeah. So where, so along the way, where, where do you park? Where do you sleep? That's one thing that, uh, I mean, I know now because I asked you when uh, we talked on the phone during your journey, but you don't go to campgrounds, but you can't just park anywhere. I mean, it's not always safe. Well, that's right. So part of my trip, I I guess, I I mean, I'm kind of an all or nothing person. I tend to throw myself in the deep end. Maybe it's about pushing boundaries or something. I don't know, but, um, I joined Anytime Fitness, which is a gym here in Australia. They're a franchise gym. They're actually worldwide. Um, And my local gym, I told them what I was doing and about my holiday, and they actually gave me a nice little discount on my membership, Um, again, in return for a few social media shout-outs. And what that meant was I could actually park my the, the camper van because I had a camper van, and I could park it out the front of the gym 
and use the gym facilities. They're twenty four hour gyms, so so you could do the showers access. and everything. That uh-huh. solved yeah. a lot of problems. It did, and it, as a matter of fact, what I discovered was if I parked the van close enough to the gym entrance, I actually got fr- picked up their free Wi Fi too. So, oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it worked. It actually worked out really well because wherever I was, um, I was always. I always felt home. There was always somebody to talk to. Being twenty-four hour gyms, um, you know, you could they're they're, they're a franchise, so they look identical wherever you are. They've got the same facilities, the same equipment. Their bathrooms look identical. Their products are the same, um, and it's it's the familiarity that yeah. it makes you feel more at home when you're when you're not really with anybody when you're traveling alone. I yeah. Suppose. And it's safe because it's open 24-7, so you're on the parking lot, it's well lit, and uh, yeah. if yeah. you needed and to run somewhere, you could always, I mean, that door yeah. is open. <laughs> That's right. They they have um, security, personal security devices uh-huh. that, you put around, that you're supposed to put around your neck when you're doing a workout um, oh. after hours. Nobody actually uses them, but I was using them and taking them into the van with me overnight, so... If there was a problem, all I, all I would have to do would, hit, would be to hit the panic button and I would have help. Oh, very but, smart. Wow, wow. Yeah, it, beats, yeah. it beats staying on a Walmart parking lot, I assume. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. I did learn that, that Walmart, yeah. you, you're allowed to park at Walmarts, but, you know, you've only got access to a toilet there, whereas I've got a gym membership. That's right. My <laughs> and, own private bathroom. And some of them had massage machines. Nice. And, you know, they've got TVs, there's music, and a lot of them had little lounge areas, uh, you know, filtered water. I could fill up my water bottles every day. So yeah. it w- really worked out really quite well. Wow, that was so resourceful. So, again, <laughs> you played the social media. So are companies easy to um, to work with that way? I mean, you oh. offer to give them a few shout-outs on Twitter and so forth, and they'll give you a discount. I mean, that always... You know, I'm I'm sure not very many people think of that, but um, you 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 made great use of that, and everybody wins. Yeah, it look it wasn't easy. It took a lot of really? hard work, a lot of persistence, and a lot of a lot of emails. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to, I guess, prove my have a bit of social proof. Yeah, um, exactly. Pr- yeah, you have to have um, the numbers, otherwise that's not really interesting yeah. for them. <laughs> And for me too, once one company said yes, everybody else started saying yes. And for huh. me, uh, the, the closer was getting, you know, being consigned to have four articles published uh-huh. um, and to have that with one of Australia's largest online women's magazines, to have okay. them say, yeah, we're going to publish four of your articles, that was good for me because then I could go back to the companies and say, well, look, I've got this, my social reach has now increased massively. Yeah. We can, we can now shout out to you guys. So um, it's sort of hard work. I've been home for three weeks and I've still got a lot of stuff that I need to do. Mm. Um, but to meet all of my, you know, deliverables and things. But it, it's something that I would probably, it, it, it saves money. Um, I'm a resourceful person and I couldn't have done the trip without doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess hard work pays off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And um, and you learn so much in the process. That's yes. That's amazing. Um, so tell me a little bit about the stories that touched you along the way. And I I followed the trip, and I I know a few of them, and and we'll put some some photos on the show notes. So where did you did you were you more into shooting candid? 
type of situation or or was it more street portraits where you interacted with people? Um, I, I find my natural way that I do street photography is a real combination of the both. Okay. Um, I tend to read people quite well. Uh, I... Uh, I mean, I think as a street photographer, we're all natural pe- people mm-hmm. watchers. Yeah. That that's part of who we are. I think we we see these people, and in a split second, we're in our mind, we're making up a story about them, about yep. their lives, about their history, and about their future. Even um, we're, I guess, storytellers, and we do it in a split second. Yes. Um, but for me, I I love candid portraits, but people people. You know, sometimes they'll pose, they'll they'll see you sort of taking a photo and they, they sometimes I've had people back up and redo what they did. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, if I miss a moment, I may occasionally ask people, can you redo that? Um, there was a moment that I missed in Chicago and I wish that I asked them to redo it again because it was quite a political moment. Um, people were giving an obscene gesture to the Trump Towers building in Chicago and I captured captured their their fingers and their hands, but didn't actually have the tower and the the logo okay. Trump in the background. So yeah, so um, you only had you were missing the most important component yes. of the story. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and look, I kind of I've, I considered whether I should do a composite image because I do have a you know a split second later I framed the picture better, but and then I thought, do I maybe ask them to do again? But th- there was so much going on that night and so many other things. I kind of let it go. To me, it wasn't really that yeah. important. Um, but then again, you saw it. So yeah. that's part of, uh, you know, sometimes we miss the shot, but at least we, yep. we saw it and that's part of the learning. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And look, uh, th- that's what I learned driving um, is to always, whenever I get that feeling to stop, to always listen and stop and take photos. Um, mm. One of the things that I didn't get a f- chance to photograph were the amazing cactuses that are through throughout Arizona. Um, and that's because I was on a bit of a deadline and driving, trying to get somewhere on time. And I kept thinking, I'll stop in 10 minutes and take a photo. And I knew what I wanted. I wanted the, the sun setting and I wanted, you know, a bit of backlighting through the cacti's you know, the the spikes, I don't know what their technical mm-hmm. name is. Um, and I could see exactly in my mind the photo that I wanted. But because I was pressured to drive, I didn't stop and I missed the shot. Mm-hmm. And I realised after driving for an hour that I hadn't actually seen a cactus in about 100 kilometres. So there was no turning back and I missed no. out on that shot. But but that's okay. That's okay too. But, yeah, to answer your question, I do, I engage with people that I photograph sometimes, um, but sometimes I don't. It really... I guess I read their body language as well um, and how they react to me and basically the situation. Every situation is different. So you, um, did you, do you stay in contact with some of the people you photograph? I mean, I I assume you had some business cards. Yes, I did have business cards. And uh, did you, um, did you make, so you made connections. Well, first of all, you met with those friends, those women along the way, and you stayed with some of them, and and you some of them did a little bit of the road with you, right? Yes, I stay, stayed in most of their homes for a night or two. Uh, one of them, she only one of them traveled with me. Okay. Um, we went to Las Vegas together for a couple of nights, and that was a really great time. I didn't actually use my camera that much in Vegas. Um, I found. Actually, Vegas and Hollywood Boulevard were 
unusual situations for a street photographer to mm-hmm. be in because the buskers expect you to ta- to pay them money to take their photo, mm-hmm. and that was something that I've never experienced before, and um, it kind of it frustrated me a little bit in at Hollywood Boulevard. So I didn't actually use my camera in Vegas because it was a similar type situation. Was it? Um, mm-hmm. I actually I accidentally upset one of the street performers on Hollywood Boulevard and they confronted me because I refused to give them money after I took their photo. Um, and I, I, I sort of said to them, well, usually people pay me when I take their photo. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit confused as to why I should be paying you and they really were not happy with that reply. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, cult- cultural differences, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, talking about cultural differences, what what were the main differences for you? I know you went into some... Some grocery stores and and uh, came out with a series of images of of people and food and and uh, what uh, what was what was the most what were the most striking differences to you? Oh, look! I think the shopping centers were incredible. Um, I the the food, as as you just said, I was doing these sort of virtual shopping tours where I would go into a shop and just take a photo of all these unusual products and put mm. them onto my Facebook. Um, and people would be like, wow, can I see what this looks like? And what I what I observed was that in the States, they have a, a pharmacy like we do here in Australia. They have a supermarket like we do, um, you know, different types of stores. Like they have a Target, which is like a homeware shop. Mm-hmm. Um But here in Australia, our pharmacy only really sells pharmacy goods and our supermarket only sells groceries and our Target only sells homewares. Okay. Whereas those three types of stores in the States sell everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of of like a pie chart. You go to the pharmacy and the pharmacy sells majority pharmacy-type items but also some grocery items and some homewares. Yeah. Um, And the pie chart is just a different ratio for each different store. and. And I kind of wonder how does every store have every type of product? It, it, it's a little bit mind-boggling. But then having said that, I I think I noticed really the, the population numbers. Um, you know, you, you drive for an hour in, in the US and you're in a new town every every hour and new shopping centres and the population is huge compared to here in Australia where you yes. could drive for four hours and not come to a town at all. Mm-hmm. So. I think that really puts it in perspective. There's- yeah, and it's funny that you say that because um, Europeans would say the opposite, you oh. know, because the scale is so much larger here than it is in Europe that they would say, oh, you can drive for so long and not see anyone. But then your scale is even completely different. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of in between, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, I, for me, I find it hard to comprehend that there's large cities with high-rise buildings. There's more of those that they're within an hour of each other. I, for us, you know, yeah. Sydney and Melbourne, that's an eight-hour drive away. Exactly. In, in between that, there isn't really any other high-rise yeah. buildings. Whereas, <laughs> in various other states, especially on the east coast, yeah, there's high-rises. It's everywhere. all connected almost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, Philadelphia and New York, it's a two hour drive. Yeah. So <laughs> so to go back to the to the people and the photography, what in your looking back and and I don't want anybody to get offended by this if their city doesn't rank up there, but what was your friendliest city 
in the cities you visited? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's, <laughs> everybody was friendly really? and incredibly friendly. Good answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> everybody. And I couldn't work it out at the beginning. I was like, I, I don't look foreign. I, I look like I could be American. And it's not until I speak that people would know that I was Australian, yeah. but people were being friendly to me before I even spoke. And okay. what I decided was that I was so happy to be traveling that I was just must've been walking around with a smile on my face the whole time. Yeah. Um, maybe I just looked really happy. I don't know. Um, look, it could have been the van that I was driving as well, that um, people were photographing me with the van. Uh, I ended up writing my hashtag on the car so that people could, um, you know, find me easily on Instagram and things and tweet me and stuff as they saw me around. And what was the hashtag? Oh, Cherie does America. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, it, it's always a conversation starter. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But it, even without those things, with the van not in sight, people were just really friendly. Uh, and you know, maybe that was because I was acting differently because I was traveling alone. So I was more open to interactions with people. Um, you know, I'd walk into a gym and talk to people, whereas at home I go to the same gym every day and I don't talk to anybody. And I, I see these people three times a week. You yeah, know? that's funny. Where, whereas you, you make best friends at a gym in a day in America. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I, I, I would eat with strangers. I, I'd be lining up. At, you know, at a restaurant waiting for a table and I'd notice there was someone sitting by themselves and I would say, well, can we, do you mind if we sit together and talk? And that sort of thing I would never do back home. Really? But okay. N- yeah. Well, now that I, I've tra- I think thinking, you may be a little bolder all. when you're traveling and you're experiencing a new, a new culture. Um, I and I don't so. know why that is. I think it's being anonymous in a way. That's um, true. Yeah, you can talk to complete strangers and, and tell them things that you wouldn't tell. Yeah. friends yeah it, it's it's almost it feel it it's a safe distance i suppose or i don't know what it is um mm-hmm. but i wish that i would was more like that here back home i wish that when i go to the gym here that i would just be like hi how are you or i wish when i was pumping gas or wow see i've been in america for too long i wish when i was filling up my car with petrol that i would reach over and say to the next person how's your day because that is what was happening in, in the states and yeah i loved that i really See, loved I, it. I do that i do that here and i do that back home in in france as well um and um and usually people are responsive so you, you i'm sure i mean and australians are so friendly so i'm sure yeah. they <laughs> they'd respond just as well yeah so yeah, i think it's it, more it's more up to you that's right i yeah there's that thing, I mean, a lot of us believe that you really, what you put out is what you receive. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I must have been putting out a happier vibe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, I, over in the States, I wasn't a tired, stressed out mother of four kids, was I? I? I was just a woman in a camper van who is free, basically. Yeah. It was just me and my camera. Whereas here, it's me, my work bills my kids and all these other stresses going on so we we get caught up in life i think a bit Mm -hmm. yeah so you had your camera with you at all times basically yeah uh as much as i could i um i had a look today i i i've I've edited over 500 images from the trip um and that's probably half of them are edited Mm -hmm. so um i think that's okay i don't know what how many photos people 
take on a six-week trip, but I think 500 edited Im- images isn't too shabby. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's good. I mean, and um, did you um, – so tell me, what, uh, what stories touched you the most? There's got to oh. be at least one or two that people that you met along the way that yeah. you, you photographed. And um, there, there was uh, a couple, um, a couple of stories. Uh, one of them is was actually on my last date day in the states. Um, I was at JFK and I actually missed my flight going home um, after six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was. It's quite funny, really, because I missed my check-in time for the bag for three minute by three minutes. Oh. Um, and being such a strict airport, they just wouldn't bend. Um, and you know, here I am thinking I'm stuck in an airport for 24 hours. And part of me was a little bit excited by this prospect because I'm like, wow, this is going to be fantastic. People watching. Um, I'm tired. I want to go home, but this this will be fun. And um, so I took out my camera and just sort of started paying attention to what was going on around me. And I noticed there was a lot of goodbyes, a lot of couples saying goodbye. And, you know, I'm a little bit, I guess, non-romantic. Um, I started, you know, eye-rolling, thinking, oh, more couples, what, you know, gosh, <laughs> wow. I got a little bit cynical. Um, but then I noticed that there was one couple and they actually re- almost reduced me to tears and uh, the reason was because they were um, a gay couple, uh, mm-hmm. two two men, and so I walked closer to them and just started photographing them saying goodbye. And it was really painful to watch because they would say goodbye and then part, and then the one that was leaving would walk towards the gate, and then he'd turn around and run back. And Aww. they said goodbye probably three or four times, and. It was so pure and beautiful to watch that suddenly all all the cynical thoughts in my mind went away, and I just thought, "Wow, they're really lucky to have somebody to say goodbye." Yes, to. Mm-hmm. yeah, and, and somebody I, they feel that strongly about. But you also yeah. could sense probably something was something big was happening. Yeah. Why were they so sad? So did you talk to them? I did. I I let them do their thing and then when they finished, I handed them a business card and said, oh, look, I've just been photographing you guys for the last five minutes and they were thrilled. So I actually oh, took a posed photograph of them together as well um, and one of them, Vincent, he lives in the US and his partner is from Italy and he'd par- his partner had been in the US for 12 months working but was unable to get an extension on his working oh, visa. Okay. So... They're, they're still together and they're maintaining a long-distance relationship now and working on getting him to the States permanently, but it's a really difficult process. So, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, good on them. It, it, it was just, it was beautiful to watch. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and those moments, I mean, you can't help it. You have to, uh, to photograph. And, and you're shooting with DSLR, so you're not really inconspicuous. No, uh, they no. were most, I mean, they probably were not paying attention to you because they were too busy, you know, yes. uh, <laughs> saying goodbye and being so sad. But yeah. uh, that was pretty bold of you to just uh, to photograph them. But and did you ever have any um, bad experience? Like um, people that you photographed that were either aggressive or you got a negative reaction from? Yeah, well, I guess that does happen being a street photographer. Mm-hmm. I tend to push boundaries a little bit yeah. um, with my photography and I think that's how I get the shots that I do. Um, I, I'm, I, 
I'm scared that one day something bad will happen. But I did feel when I was in the US that it, maybe it's time to get a mirrorless camera. Uh-huh. <laughs> so much quieter. Yeah. I I was actually down in the subway in New York setting up a long exposure. Um, and I was just doing some practice shots and somebody heard the the camera clicking and came over to me and really was quite aggressive saying, did you just take a photo? Show me what you took a photo of. And I had to explain to him, look, I'm just setting up my camera. I didn't, I didn't photograph you. It's, it's okay. So I showed him, um, you know, the back view of my screen of the shot that I was setting up. And at that point I thought to myself, there needs to be an emergency button on every DSLR that you press and it's like a, a fake screen that you can show people. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Nikon, there we go. That's, that's yeah. an idea because I have had that a couple of times. Um, like I discussed earlier, it, it was the um, angry street performer who was insisting that I delete the photo of them as well, um, yeah. which I refused to. And in the end... Um, they actually posed and let me take a photo without paying them. So we kind of negotiated that a little bit. Okay. Um, but it happens a couple of times. But I think the, the point is to not take it to heart. People don't always understand street photography. Mm-hmm. They, they're probably a little bit afraid. Yeah, um, I know. If somebody, I mean, usually once you explain to them what you're doing, they're completely fine with it. Um, yeah. It's, yeah it's, I think it's educating them that you're not – when you're not a paparazzi, you're just, you know, taking, documenting life in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I usually talk to them about how important it is from a historical perspective. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I personally love looking at old photographs. Um, and can you imagine if we banned street photography? We that, Those old photographs in 100 years would not exist. That's right. Um, All we would have that, is surveillance footage. Yeah, which would be really <laughs> quite tragic. Um, yes. You know, it's it's. I love things like the 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 baby carriages they used in the fifties and sixties, or you know, we've all got a photo of our grandmother and grandfather walking hand in hand down a street. Yeah, really. And, and I'm like, I always said to Bill, where did this photo come from? And that's because back in the day, there were street photographers mm-hmm. who would take a photo. They and then the people would say, "Oh, I'll give you some money if you give me a, a, a photo," because back then cameras were so rare. Yeah. Um, and actually, that reminds me of a, another character that I did meet. He was a young young boy, um, tw- young man, twenty two years old, and he had renovated an older uh, Polaroid camera and installed a newer flash onto it. So he's walking around New York with this big camera and created a lot of attention. Um, so I said to him, look, I'm really interested in what you're doing. Can you tell me your story and why you're doing this? And can I follow you just for a couple of hours and maybe photograph you with your clients and just sort of see what you're doing? And what he was doing is he's basically busking. So he, people are attracted to him because of his camera. Mm-hmm. He'll take a photo and then people give him money for the Polaroid. And I see. Well, that's some a good days, idea. Yeah, some days he makes a lot of money. Um, yeah. It was really quite interesting to watch and really interesting looking character. Um, if anyone looks through my images from New York, you might they will notice there's this kind of strange person holding an old looking camera in the background and it's almost ghostly looking because he's an anonymous, anonymous person that's in, my, in several of my images um, and that's because we – Spent some time. We spent probably about two or three hours walking around together. Oh, did you? Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. Fun. And I, 
took a few portraits of him with his camera and we, we've stayed in contact as well. So Nice. So you, you are in contact with a few people. Do you, do you find that you hand out your card after doing a street portrait or, and uh, most people will not reach out? Um, maybe yeah, like maybe four out of five you'll yeah. never hear from? Yeah, I, I sometimes, so when I was at the Grand Canyon, I saw this really adorable couple um, with their dog and they were trying to take a selfie, the partners and, the, and their dog. And, and I just thought, look, I need to help you guys because it's, this is just too cute. So I said, can I take a portrait of you guys? And they let me and I just gave them my business card and they did, they've reached out to me and I gave them the copies of the images. Mm-hmm. And I did that a few times, but yeah, people sometimes don't, don't email me, which I find really strange because I'm offering them free, like, here, yeah, have this photo. I think you're, I think you're, it's gorgeous what you're doing or. Yeah. I'm, I'm always surprised yeah. too when, uh, several times when I photograph children and have those beautiful, um, candid photos of some children, whether it's in Paris or here. And when, when children are involved or the parent is present, I will usually make at least eye contact with the parent to get an okay mm-hmm. and sometimes talk to them without disrupting the scene so that the child keeps doing whatever they're doing. So I, I would hand my card and as a parent, I would definitely <laughs> email yep. to, to get a, a, a copy of the picture. And most, more often than not, you never hear from, from them. And I, that's yep. the ones that I always find surprising. No, that is, that is true. I, um, I, when I was in Washington I took some photos of some children looking at the Christmas tree display and handed out a few business cards and none of those parents have contacted me and maybe that's because you know we are so I guess oversaturated with photography with iPhones and things these days that they probably don't appreciate the images that I was taking maybe yeah yeah, which is sad because some some of them of the kids looking at the Christmas trees are really quite beautiful, but that, that's okay. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. I find actually when I was still shooting with a DSLR, people were more likely to contact me because I think they took me more seriously. Uh-huh. And now that I shoot with smaller cameras that may not look as impressive as a as professional they don't bother because they think oh well look at that old camera she's using <laughs> probably won't even take a good picture or something and i and uh and i've talked with other photographers and said yeah that's kind of true you know they've they've uh they've had a similar experience so <laughs> if you have a more impressive oh. camera people may take you more seriously <laughs> yeah. and think oh maybe i'll have a great portrait i find it funny but yeah that that is actually that's something that i've thought about whether if I did change my camera and get a mirrorless camera, would it be too small that people would think that I was not, you know, you're not a professional? Or- yeah, I think that's that was true maybe three years ago, two years ago, but not so anymore because, look, I mean, wedding photographers are shooting with mirrorless systems okay. now. And so, um, and, and the client doesn't care, you know, as long as the, there is, a, a, they have a vision and they, they, produce quality work but that used to be true i'm sure and um that people felt less professional with a smaller system but i think that's finally kind of dying down i hope so look maybe it maybe it's my own complex i've been known to leave my um the lens hood on my lens just to make it look a little bit bigger (laughs) (laughs) funny (laughs) and i i'm i'm excited if people think i'm just a 
a plain tourist, you know, taking a few snapshots. And, and because my camera has a retro look, most people think it's an old film camera. So it's even better because then people don't take me seriously and I'm more invisible <laughs> that way. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it does play to your advantage for sure. As a street photographer, you'll see when, oh, uh, yes. when yeah. you make the, the jump. So, um, wow, this has just been so much fun. I'm, um, I'm, I'm so glad we had this conversation and there's so much we could talk about. And, and the photography is only part of this adventure, but, um, but I think everybody can appreciate, you know, this, this, I mean, the, the thing you did, because not a lot of people would have the courage to embark in such an adventure. So what tip would you give a photographer or anyone really in general um, who would who is thinking of embarking in such an adventure um, preparation wise? I mean, you you went you know, into looking for sponsorship and everything. I mean, I, I'm really impressed with this. And um, and also how to prepare yourself mentally, because I'm sure there were times where you, I mean, you have four four children at home. Um, so you, there were some times where you felt lonely. And, and uh, so how, how, what tips would you give someone, whether it's a, a woman or, or a man? I mean, traveling alone in, in a foreign country. I think that's a really good question, um, and I, I, I think the better way to answer it would be to say you can't. To the best tip I can say would be to know that you can't be fully prepared for everything. Mm -hmm. True, um, and you're never ready. Don't wait until you think you're ready to do it. Don't 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 wait until the time is right because you might end up waiting forever. Um, I didn't think that the time was right for me to go away, but I just. I, I was frustrated with wait, waiting for the right time to happen, so I worked hard to push it through and make my trip happen a little bit earlier than what I'd planned. Um, in terms of uh, being lonely and things, I I guess that's all. We're, we're all different personalities. Mm -hmm. um, don't be afraid to pick up the phone call. And I, I know Valerie, you were you were fantastic for me you, you called me a couple of times and well, it was I could, great I could just feel, have a chat yeah i could feel some time on your post that oh she needs she needs to talk or yeah. <laughs> i can read through some of your writing that maybe it wasn't such a great day <laughs> so i reached yeah. out to you <laughs> i i think too for me the closer i got to the end of my trip i actually started to really shut down quite a lot and that was because I mean, my journey was coming to an end um, and that's just a completely selfish perspective because I had such a fantastic time. I really, I missed my children dearly, but um, I didn't really want to go home at the same time, mm -hmm. as hard as that is to say. Um, it, it, I, I love to travel and I felt completely at home. Um, even though I was millions or thousands of miles away from home, I felt comfortable. And I feel like I, I've still got this feeling. I, I actually thought that traveling and getting it out of my system now would kind of squash that wanderlust in me for a couple of years. But unfortunately, it's made it worse. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I'm now, it's, it's the 2nd of February here in Australia right now and already I'm thinking where can I go next and yeah. how soon can I go away again um, mm. and what can my, my children emotionally cope with? What, what, I'm, I feel like um, as a single parent um, I've got a good relationship, well, their, the relationship with their father, we have shared custody. So I'm lucky enough that I can escape um, yeah. 
with the support like that. But financially, it's not always easily mm-hmm. easily done. But already, I'm kind of thinking, well, I I would love to have the sort of lifestyle where I can do this frequently. Yeah. Um, where I can, you know, go away for six weeks and then come home for three months, then go away for six weeks. And I, I guess where there's a will, there's a way, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't Definitely. know. Definitely. <laughs> and and you're, you're a photographer, you're a great writer, so you're definitely marketable. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I guess I am. And I, I think part of my trip, part of this trip was about, you know, you can't sit at home waiting for the right time. I, I can't sit at home wishing to be a street photographer. Um, no. You know, I can't sit at home. I Look, I would love to be even a, a journalist in, you know, Africa or somewhere on the front lines. That's that's really where I would love to be, just in, in amongst it, um, yeah. taking photos. And for me, this trip was about, well, let me, let me put – put the feelers out there and just see how I go. Let me write a few travel photography articles. Let me really have a good shot at, um, you know, candid, candid portraits. Um, really enjoy my street photography and just see what happens from here. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a great trip. But to anyone thinking about going, just do it. Yeah, exactly. Don't wait because <laughs> you, yeah. you don't know what tomorrow <laughs> is going to be. <laughs> if you can, right. I mean, you can do it that, today, that, do it. That's the problem with thinking about doing something is don't think, yeah. just do. Because I think sometimes the more we think, the more we hesitate, Yeah, the more there is to think what could go wrong. And for me, my trip was really un- unplanned. Um, I did buy a Lonely Planet book, <laughs> the USA Lonely Planet, but, you know, I didn't even read it. And yeah. people were like, oh, do you know where you're going to go? Do you have an itinerary? I didn't even have an itinerary. Itinerary. I didn't even know where most of the landmarks were. For me, it was just about driving and ending up wherever I go. Just kind of, I guess, following my nose or mm-hmm. being in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was actually finding personally that when I was looking at things like the Grand Canyon and the Hoover Dam and things that I've seen throughout my life, I think my expectation of how amazing they were has been desensitized. Because we see so many images of these yep. things. For me, I just loved exploring. Um, I, I mean, who knew Philadelphia was so amazing? Really, um, I ended up staying in an in an area just out past Germantown um, in Chestnut Hill, which I think is in the west northwest. Well, it's further out of Philadelphia and beautiful area. Um, really historic and, you know, old towns, really the cobblestone roads and these really old stone bridges that had been there for 200 years. Um, and the park that they've got there, Wissahickon Park, is it, it's like an 1,800-acre park um, and comparable in size to Central Park in New York, but it's amazing and mm-hmm. it's beautiful. And I could I could explore that park for weeks and still not see all of it. Um, and it's a photographer's delight, really. Yeah, really, really beautiful. But yeah, people just go, just go, exactly. Just and it's about the yeah. I mean, it's about the people you meet along the way. I mean, that's what makes any trip special. Yeah, um, it's not about the landmarks. It's not about the yeah the the iconic things. It's about the the people it's and about, the culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it's about the people. It's yeah. it's about discovering things um, that you that you like. It's just yeah. I think that you're right. The people and the connections that you make, yeah. um, and the, the the friendships that you formed. I I've actually um, formed some wonderful friendships with people that I met over there. Um, yeah. And I've stayed in contact with quite a few people. So it's, yeah, it's been a fantastic journey. That's, and that's awesome. So what's next, a trip across Europe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> funny you should say that. Yeah. <laughs> I Look, I, I, the funny thing is I went to the States to spend time in New York and because I had such a ball everywhere else, I didn't end up with two, two weeks in New York like I'd planned. I was in New York for only 24 hours. Oh, that's so, right. So you're, you have to make a trip there again. Maybe so, do it the other way. I need to go back. I need yeah. to go back to New York. Um, but I, there's, this, there's a, in the UK, there is a walk or a bike ride that's the coast to coast ride. And there's also one called the Coast and Castles Ride or Walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you walk all day and then stay in an inn and get up in the morning and walk all day. And it takes a couple of weeks to do. And I'm thinking that would be fantastic to yeah. do that. Um, so I'm thinking about doing that next year at some point. Nice. Wow. Well, I'll definitely have you on the show and tell us about that adventure again. <laughs> yeah. But look, I, I, I've got the itch to go away again. And I'm yeah. already thinking I, I need to go somewhere in the next couple of months, um, see what I can do. Uh, I'd love to get back to the States again. But yeah. The problem with the states is the more I saw of it, the more I realised I needed to see, mm-hmm. and that it's and it's the little obscure places. Yeah. Um, as I came over the border, coming from Ohio into West Virginia, um, I noticed there was this little town, and the freeway was higher. Um, it was like the freeway was built above the town, and the town was down low, and it just looked like. I needed to spend a day down in that town just taking photos of the people and the buildings. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what it was called, but it was just right in the border and I need to go back there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, where can people see more of your work? Um, they can see more of my work on my website, which is shereemckay.com. Uh, that's C-H-E-R-I-E-M-C-K-A-Y.com. Um, on Facebook, I'm easily found on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you know Instagram and that sort of thing. Um, so on Instagram, I'm Cherie and Boys, and the same for uh, Twitter. Awesome. Well, Cherie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know it's super, super late over uh, in Australia right now, and I'm glad we got a chance to to chat. And uh, I hope this um, this gave some inspiration. You know, some people who may be thinking about going on such an adventure and and maybe that the little push that they needed to make oh, it happen. I hope so yeah, it's life changing. Push boundaries and just jump into the deep end. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so yeah. much, Sherry. Thank you for having me. And we are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. Please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street to subscribe to the show. And uh, don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. My name is Valérie Jardin, and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets.